0: This is the Ridiculous Ashes podcast. I'm Dan Lipke. With me is Alex Bowden. Hello there. Uh, we're covering historical Ashes series to find out which nation is more ridiculous at cricket, whether it's England or Australia. And the series we're covering this time around is the 2013-14 Ashes.
1: Okay, the The way it works is I nominate England's most ridiculous moments uh, of the task match that we're covering, and Dan nominates Australia's. Uh, the most ridiculous moment, we award three points, the second most ridiculous, two points, and the third most ridiculous, one point, and most points wins that test match. Uh, in the first test at Brisbane, which was the previous episode, uh, Michael Clark clinched it for the Aussies with his infamous or in his own words, regrettable, get ready for a broken fucking arm, which was aimed at Jimmy Anderson when England were nine wickets down and about 10 million runs behind in their second innings. Yes. Uh, the other points that match were split between the Courier Mail and Stuart Broad, a sort of joint effort from them. Uh, after the uh, the newspaper refused to name uh, name Broad by name, uh, uh, only for him to take a five-run day one and waltz into the press conference with uh, the Courier Mail under his arm. So we now move on to Adelaide for the second test match. Yeah, so that, that was a very silly first test. I I, I appreciate that. Uh, but in, in non-silly
0: matters, in, in just the, the normal everyday second test, second Adelaide test match summary, Australia were also 1-0 up in, in the, the regular old Ashes. Uh, so they batted first uh, in the second test in Adelaide. They put on uh, 9 for 570 declared. Uh, both Michael Clarke and Brad Haddon scored centuries. In reply, England reached uh, a, a mere one hundred and seventy. They they succumbed to Mitchell Johnson, who took 7 for 40, including three wickets in an over. Uh, Australia did not enforce the follow-on. They batted again, eventually setting England 531 runs for victory in about, well, almost two days, five and a half sessions. England managed to take the match into the final day, but were still a couple of hundred runs short of victory. They were all out for 312, which gave Australia a 2-0 lead in the regular
1: old boring Ashes.
0: So now it's time to see who'll win the second test in terms of the, the ridiculous Ashes, and I think. Alex is going to nominate first this time
1: Yes, uh, my first nomination Is uh, Ben Stokes First test wicket being taken away For a no-ball This was (laughs) uh, Stokes' debut I think, wasn't it? It was, yes,
0: first first ever test
1: And yeah this is I mean this is the kind of thing that we see happen quite a lot these days but it was more of a novelty back then so Australia were 367 for 6 and Stokes got Brad Haddon caught behind for 51 checked for a no ball and he'd overstepped and it was taken away from him and there was just this this big sense that uh, I mean the way it was presented like it was his one big chance like his (laughs) oh you know his his moment of glory snatched away from him there's an element of uh, hindsight corner uh, I Uh, we we don't consider moments which uh, are ridiculous only with the benefit of hindsight to be eligible for this really but there's that's still a sort of aspect of it we have to mention that uh, the idea <laughs> that this was sort of a big moment in Ben Stokes' career. I mean, like I don't even know what I guess his his first wicket was a slightly later in this match. I've absolutely no recollection of it. But uh, overall, in the match, Australia made 702 <laughs> for 12. So uh, you know, stepping over for uh, no balls when you on a few occasions when you'd actually made a breakthrough really not very helpful. Yeah, so it, it wasn't great. I mean, it, it
0: was. I was, was, however, like it was just a magnificent an introduction to everything that you know Ben Stokes would offer over the next several years again all, all in hindsight corner hindsight but this corner. was this was pure Ben Stokes wasn't it just running in with all the energy and gusto maybe getting a little bit too exuberant, maybe bringing himself undone But uh but still giving it a red hot go. It was uh, it was very entertaining. It's uh, he he said after the after the match, or oh, sorry, after the end of the play on the day, he was interviewed by uh, some England reporter, and he, he said it's it's one of those things that happen. We're yeah, okay, fair enough. It's, it's one of those things that don't happen all that often. You're losing your first Test wicket uh, to a no ball, but it's it's one of those things that happened to Ben Stokes. I think it would have been one
1: in the previous series. Well, in the one-day series, maybe.
0: Maybe, yeah. I mean, Cricket Cricket Australia now has uh, this uh, glorious montage of England bowlers who have had their first wickets in test cricket denied by no ball. So they've set set aside (laughs) a montage of Stokes... One of the Currens, I'm not not sure which one. Let, let, let's say it's Tom uh, and Mason Crane. They they all lost their first uh, Test wickets in Ashes Tests. Not their first Test wickets, which happened to be in Ashes Tests, uh, were all lost to no balls. And I, I look forward to the other two of those those lads appearing in future ridiculous Ashes series that we cover. <laughs> right. So that's Ben Stokes done. I'm I'm going to nominate Australia slog sweeping their way to nine for five hundred and seventy. So at the time this test was taking place, Adelaide Oval was being renovated. It's usually kind of renowned as this very picturesque oval. Uh, not, not, not quite as much in 2013-14 where they were you know tearing down stands and putting in newer, bigger, perhaps not as beautiful stands. Uh, but one of the things that wasn't being renovated were the short boundary square of the wicket. So pretty much every member of the Australian lower middle order and tail from about Brad Bradhaddon down decided they would slog-sweep yeah, just, just about every time they got the opportunity. So Haddon sent pretty much every other shot aerial over Cow Corner on his way to a score of 118. He hit 11 fours and five sixes, and I would estimate of those 16 boundaries, at least <laughs> at least a dozen of them were, were slog-swept. Yeah. Uh, and after Brad Haddon kind of set this standard, Ryan Harris came in and he adopted pretty much the same approach. He scored 55 not out, uh, which is perhaps not great from an England point of view. He, he had six fours <laughs> and two sixes. And then kind of just rubbing salt into the wound, uh, Nathan Lyon deposited one into the crowd. So it was, it was quite the uh, slog sweep thon from the Australians.
1: That's really just the final straw of Nathan Lyon getting yep. in on the action. He he sees it as the way to go. Then, uh, yep. I think England maybe thought something similar, but uh, they... they they settled on the spoon to leg, which <laughs> yes. most of their sort of leg side lofted shots seem to end up in the hands of fielders. I don't know if uh, it was a conscious thing to try and replicate that, but they those were more the sort of uncomfortable hooks and pulls rather than the uh, the slog sweep. They didn't get too many, chance to, yes. too many chances. to chances. I, I,
0: I think I think perhaps uh, some of the the bowlers they were trying to do that off were, were bowling a little bit faster than perhaps some of the England bowlers were bowling. Uh, could be,
1: uh, yes. could be. England were really fast medium in this yeah. match. That might. Greatest, my greatest fear has been has been manifested many a time. Is watching England play a Test match in Australia and just all these right arm fast medium bowlers just coming in for five hundred and seventy runs ineffectually, and it was it was really one of those.
0: But they are Uh, all
1: right arm, aren't they? Like,
0: is anyone in England left handed?
1: (laughs) Well, this is the thing. You sometimes get picked the other Corrin. We've got some. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but uh, back then I think we were. It was a bit of a... Was there anybody else around this time? A we post side-bottom before anyone else? No, I think, uh, yeah, it was, it was a plenty of, plenty of right-on-fast medium. You can yep. never... Never be shorter of that in England. Yes. I did notice as well. I'm actually not sure whether it was the first innings or the second innings. I think it was the first innings where uh, George Bailey was caught off. What well, I think was the first shot he tried to keep down. <laughs> <laughs> he was just, I was watching his innings. Because George Bailey wasn't a, he had quite a sort of cameo of a test career really. He It was he quite did. fun to watch.
0: George Bailey's uh, test career was the entirety of this series we're covering.
1: And then a big speech about getting uh, getting sledged by Jimmy while fielding at short leg as yes. well. That was I, I think of that as being a key part of his career. Yeah, yes. <laughs> doing this, doing a speech in his helmet. He brought Props. <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah, his his innings was mostly airborne, and he just he was hitting <laughs> four and sixes, and then he, he rolled his wrist somewhat straight to a fielder.
0: Yeah, that that's a valuable lesson for George. Uh, George was was primarily a, a white ball player, so he probably learnt his lesson that yeah he should he should keep going aerial, that that's where he's going to
1: to be the strongest. Uh, shall I move on to my next nomination now? Yeah, let's do it. I'll um again refrain from like picking uh, an England batting so. I mean, 172 not out. Sorry, 172 not out. That would be amazing. 172 all out uh, was, uh, I mean, it barely even registers on the England collapseometer. I don't yes. think. Um, but uh, sort of easily the finest moment from that first innings collapse where, where England basically lost the match. Uh, Stuart Broad being bowled by Mitchell Johnson first ball, which is one of the greatest and most epic golden ducks you are ever likely to see. So the the situation was Matt Pryor was caught behind uh, and then Broad spent many 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 minutes getting the sight screen adjusted. And there something glistening on the side of the sight screen was I wasn't uh, I, could, I couldn't quite work out what it was that was bothering him but
0: Yeah yeah it was it was some sunlight like glinting off a metal part of the screen which I, I think is yeah you know, it kind of just showed that Australia was you know in Australia even in 2013 14 the sun itself was anti Stuart Broad it, we, we we were throwing <laughs> everything at uh, poor old Stewart Broad,
1: and you never know with Broad like, how much he's. Is, it, is he actively trying to be annoying as, it, as a means to an end? I don't know what the end would be in this situation, but you never really know with Broad. But uh, he spent so long adjusting his sight screen that uh, Channel 9 changed commentary <laughs> teams between him arriving at the crease and facing his first ball. And when he finally faced that ball, he, uh, he walked straight past it trying to glance it to leg like and got bowled. It was one of the great anti-climaxes or climaxes depending on your view and then but he, he wasn't finished having walked past the ball and tried to clip it and missed it and seen it hit his stumps he then practiced his leg glance with a really <laughs> earnest look on his face then he had another look at his leg stump trying to work out the geometry of how it hit there um you walk past it that's that's how it <laughs> <laughs> and then he saunters off doing this sort of exaggerated eye widening thing um as if to indicate it was a, just it was just a visibility thing not a walking past the ball and not hitting it. Thing. Yes,
0: it, it was. It was truly one of one of the great golden ducks.
1: Only Stuart Broad.
0: Yeah, I, I, I personally. I mean, there there are many aspects of the of this duck that, that are fantastic. I, one of the one of the littler uh, subtler things was there. There was a great big lie emblazoned on the screen as he walked off. It said Stuart Broad zero true one ball true one minute no 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 this wasn't one minute i i watched every single minute this was at least 10 minutes it was it went a lot longer than one minute so i'm not quite sure where channel Nine got off claiming that this was a one minute uh golden duck i think uh i think that must just be programmed in that if it's a golden duck you get one ball one minute as the minimum yeah
1: but he was he was batting time his <laughs> golden duck
0: <laughs> yeah i mean it, even crick infos ball by ball commentary recognized that it was ludicrous the 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 no, normally, pretty uh, pretty straight laced uh, quick info commentary went. Ha ha! Cleaned him up! Exclamation that, <laughs> mark! That was that was the commentary on it. Uh, a, a couple more aspects that I noticed. I noticed that uh, Broad arrived at the crease with uh, sunscreen on his nose, which is. Uh, that's you know obviously we we've already established that he knew the sun was against him uh, that 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 was that was clear but that's the kind of thing that uh, a, bat, a batter coming in with sunscreen on their nose you usually mock that in a batter who made a golden duck but given the length of the innings it was, justified, actually, yeah. it was perfectly justified very very good sun smartness there from Stuart Broad maybe so,
1: he was feeling very defeatist and he was just trying to get value trying to get yeah. uh, like for money from what he'd what smeared over there yeah I put this SPF
0: thirty plus on my nose I, I'm gonna make the most of it. All right. Well, I'll move on to my nomination, which is kind of a, a, a superset of, of your nomination because I'm I'm going to expand out that Ooh. last ball uh, of Stuart Broad's uh, that Stuart Broad's had come to, and I'll I'll, I'll, take Mitch- yep, I'll take the entire over from Mitchell. Yeah, I'll take the entire over from Mitchell Johnson. It was Mitchell Johnson's fourteenth over, and I, I I put it to you, this is one of the most ridiculous overs ever bowled. So the, the 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 first ball of the over, uh, young Ben Stokes uh, on his on debut is batting. He uh, but Mitchell Johnson strikes him on the pad uh, the umpire shakes his head says no that's not out but Stokes kind of wanders out of his crease a little bit thinking about a leg buy uh, which inspires one of the Australian fielders to have a wild ping at the stumps which misses and goes for four
1: overthrows so that's all pretty ridiculous
0: <laughs> we, we all know that you know hindsight corner Ben hindsight Stokes loves his overthrow bonus runs so he was happy to claim that he's them.
1: having a uh, he can't say that he wasn't warning of what warning us of what was to come either yep. this day he's, he's, <laughs> he's already performing his greatest hits
0: yep that's fantastic <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, so the ball gets flung, you know, flung to the boundary and the umpire signals four off the bat, um, which meant that obviously the runs get, do go to Stokes as uh, tradition dictates or future tradition dictates. Uh, but the the kind of signal that it's off the bat it kind of inspires Michael Clark to think, well, wait a sec, we don't think he hit that. So maybe the umpire has given him not out because uh, the umpire thinks he hit it and we don't think he did. So Clark decides, all right, we're going to send this one upstairs. Uh, and if they do send it upstairs, it is determined that Ben Stokes, in fact, did not hit hit the ball, and then the ball tracking determines that it would have hit the stumps. So the the four overthrows are attracted. Ben Stokes is out, LBW. That's just the first ball of the over.
1: One ball into the over, which, as we already know, lasts for quite some time. Yeah.
0: And so the middle four balls are are not as ridiculous. They're they're, they're a little bit ridiculous. Uh, It's just Mitchell Johnson beating up on uh, poor old Matt Pryor for a little bit. He bounces him a few times, hits him on the chest, and then eventually, as you mentioned, has him caught behind for a duck on the fifth. Ball of the over, and then on the sixth ball, of the over. As you discussed, we we do have a uh, Broad's sight screen golden duck. So it's it's a magnificent. It's a triple wicket maiden for one thing, which is ridiculous enough on its own. But the, just the way that uh, everything unfolded was just delicious.
1: That was yeah. I, I can see a point. I mean, the only thing I would. Say, I guess we'll have to argue the uh, argue this uh, when we come to the uh, awarding the points later, because I feel like they're both strong candidates. But uh, how how what percentage of that. Over was Stuart Broad's doing, and I feel like it was quite a bit. We'll return to that in a moment. We, we will Joel. return to that. Uh, just on
0: a personal note, I, I I do have very vivid memories of watching this over because it was during my father's wedding, and uh, I, I was a little bit annoyed with him for putting a wedding on during an Ashes test. But uh, nevertheless, during the wedding uh, reception, I, I, I snuck off and found a TV in a small room in the corner. I, I was there with my uncle, who was. uh also quite quite a big cricket fan so we just stuck in to have a quick look at how the cricket went so we saw uh Johnson dismiss Stokes we pretty much walked in as that happened um you know the the entire lengthy performance of it and then we hung around to watch the rest of the over so we, we got our money's worth from just that quick side trip off to to check out the cricket so quick yeah yeah quick
1: quickish it's a it's a real sort of um cricket watching um I don't know what the word is, but uh, trope, I suppose. I, I remember a few years back, I was um, I was asking the readers of my website uh, what they remembered of the two thousand and five Ashes, mm-hmm. like like personal personal memories, really, yep. rather than like. The action, and it's amazing just the the percentage of people who were uh, who remember <laughs> being at weddings yeah. and catching snatches of the action, or being out for the day and missing you know, the memories of missing stuff. Of mm. Being uh, oh, we were on holiday and we didn't we missed the second test or something. It, it, <laughs> almost nobody seemed to be at the grounds or watching on <laughs> TV or anything, unless they were sort of catching a glimpse or listening to a radio covertly yep. or something like that, or getting text messages from uh, from a friend saying that something else had happened Everybody's sort of experience of following the match Was this sort of snatched glimpses And it's just something that's going on in the background of your life <laughs> I, I, I remember, uh, and we'll cover this when
0: we do the 2005 Ridiculous Ashes But my, my, my strongest memory of those was pretty much going to bed every night You know, at you know 1am or 2am And then every morning waking up and go, wait, what? This is not how tests in England work What's going on? Why are we all out? Yeah, so yeah <laughs> It
1: was very,
0: yeah, interesting series. We'll we'll get to that one sooner or later.
1: We'll get due course. We'll build up to that one, I think. Yes. Uh, right. Uh, my final nomination then uh, is Ian Bell's sole dismissal of the Test match. Yep. Uh because this is a very distinctly Ian Bell moment. I feel um, the background is this: uh, Ian Bell had been England's best player in the previous Ashes, just a few months earlier, uh, and by quite some margin as well. Um, just sort of best player on either side, really. Uh, he scored a hundred in each of the three tests that uh, England won, and you know no one else really uh, really got runs in that series, not 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 consistently. And there was a sort of sense that he'd really come good because there was always this thing with Ian Bell that uh, people expected a bit oh He's just he's just on the on the cusp of thing, or he's he's about to sort of collapse into nothingness. That that was the sort of endless dance that we had between expectations and results. Whenever he was good, people expected him to be better still, and then he'd have a poor run, and everyone would just be disproportionately angry with him for, <laughs> for just you know a couple of bad innings. He just he couldn't really win no matter what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. I'm sort of checking his averages, like his, his, like his career averages as it, as it wore on. And there were a couple of dips, but it was always pretty pretty solid. He never really had a sort of terrible time or like a real. But you remember these peaks and troughs, and I suppose that's just the, the way it went. Um, so he'd been man of the series, and then he hadn't got many runs in the first test. But in Adelaide, he was unbeaten in the first things with 72. And that's 72 out of 172. <laughs> so, you know, quite an arc. Uh, Mike Carberry's the only other batsman to get past 15. Um, (laughs) Second innings, it was 143 for three. And, you know, England were kind of out of it, but we were kind of hoping for a bit more from Ian Bell. Uh, And he was on six. Uh, And uh, Steve Smith was bowling. This was... well, it was a funny time for Smith, wasn't it? Because it was... Yeah, he wasn't thought of as a batter at this stage. He, he was,
0: mate, mate, at at best, a batting all-rounder, but probably a, a bits-and-pieces player.
1: You can probably, yeah, you could track him by his <laughs> batting spots because initially <laughs> he was kind of, well, well, we're picking him as a bowler, and we're not quite sure whether he will be a batsman or a bowler. He'd come back into the side, I think, in India just before this series, and uh, yeah, he's banned about six, I think. So they, they had hopes for him as a batsman now, and you can bowl a bit. Yeah. So we're kind of before the era where He's definitely, definitely, definitely <laughs> a batsman, <laughs> um, and uh, so he's having a ball. And he 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 served up some classic Steve Smith filth. Uh, it's massive full toss, uh, and Bell just sort of sauntered up to it quite casually and slapped it straight to Mitchell Johnson <laughs> mid on. Yeah, and. Uh, I watched it about 50 times. <laughs> I've just been watching it. <laughs> it looked like it was going to be a nice shot until he made contact and his hand came off the bat and it just sort of spotted straight to Johnson. And I, I just don't know how he mishit it. It was just... When expectations were almost at their peak, I mean, yep. we didn't think he was going to like save the match or anything, but, you know, this was England's best batsman, but it was it was pure Ian Bell to just sort of... No one else could have done that, I don't think. <laughs> I, I think pretty much the point at which
0: uh, Ian Bell was falling to Smith full tosses was the point at which Australian fans started to believe, to believe that this this kind of resurgence of the Australian side might actually be legitimate uh, because Bell had been yeah. like so impossible to dismiss in the earlier twenty thirteen Ashes and even yeah you know, as mentioned even the first innings here and but when he's just like you know doing this kind of you know ridiculous stuff and uh, and just falling it's just like oh ma- ma- maybe we might win this test Well, I, I think at that stage we probably thought we were going to win and then it was just like oh maybe we might win this series
1: everything's back to normal think, yes, yeah, yes from an Australian perspective and probably from an England perspective as well it's quite deep rooted from the uh, the preceding decade or so that yep. uh, there was only sort of occasion I think it was it was a funny sort of period this whole sort of mm. England and Australia winning ashes uh, period uh, no one mm. really knew where they were. So it just it was easy to fall back into what you knew. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh well my, my final nomination also involves Mitchell Johnson. Not not for that catch, but I, I, I like the idea that Mitchell Johnson was on a hat trick of being on a hat trick. Uh, because uh, the the previous mentioned first ball dismissal abroad meant that he was on a hat trick in his next over when he was bowling to Graham Swan but he, he failed to complete that hat trick uh, but he did get Swan the over after that uh, and then he bowled Jimmy Anderson first ball so he was on a second hat trick in that next over bowling to Ian Bell uh, but he failed to complete that hat trick too so I, th- I think being on two hat tricks in an innings means that you are on a hat trick of being on hat tricks <laughs> uh, but uh, yet yeah, sadly he failed to complete this meta hat trick as well so so I, I, that, that baffles me how he got the player of the match award. It, it, was, it was a spell that inspired uh, Shane Warne to come up with this following phrase, which I had to write down. I, I, try, I try to put Shane Warne out of my head as much as possible when he's commentating, <laughs> but the, his horrific words just uh, stuck with me this time. Uh, Shane Warne claimed that Mitchell Johnson, quote... Was bowling sizzling fajitas with jalapenos on top. And I don't know what that means, but that's pure Shane Warm commentary.
1: Oh, Shane. <laughs> i remember listening to him once and he i can't remember what the match was or even i don't even know what he's trying to say but he just couldn't stop saying cherries and poles and oh he was just God. 50 59 cherries left and six poles and it was just oh Shane, just you can you can use normal cricket terminology yeah. sometimes you don't have to really play up the i'm an australian yes aspects yeah my favorite part of this uh, of the uh, the the Johnson uh, non-hattricks was uh, his dismissal of James Anderson yep. when he just after he, he dismissed him and I think people I don't know if I can describe it quite uh, well enough but if you see it it's a, it's a thing you feel like you've seen quite a lot when, when you see it again yes uh, he, he does this scuttling stare thing where he, he kind of squats down slightly with his, his bandy legs uh, and then he moves sideways past John, uh, James Anderson who's just dismissed and kind of eyeballs him as he's going past but Anderson's above him because he's yeah. squatting down and moving past him sideways it's like weird crab manoeuvre it's really not like an alpha intimidating thing it's uh, yeah. know, what
0: is yeah it's like get ready for an unbroken fucking stare <laughs> yeah,
1: from a low vantage point yes <laughs> and with the moustache as well which yeah. I think is just a key element so that's...
0: yeah well they, they the Australian fans got very obsessed with the Mitchell Johnson Mustache, because because he emerged in this test series w- with it. It uh, was part of a, a Movember thing. It was just like I'll grow this big, you know, ludicrous, bikey slash Freddie Mercury mustache, and <laughs> and, uh, and 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 then he bowled, you know, a- a- as he bowled in these first two tests, and everyone, you know, did the whole correlation causation thing. It's just like is is the mustache why 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 he's bowling <laughs> so well? And and there there were like breathless media reports after. It's like Mitchell Johnson has reported that he will be keeping the mustache for the entire test series. It's just.
1: <laughs> like, this is not the reason he's bowling well. I swear to God. But when you watch it back years later, you associate that moustache with the intimidating bowling. So you see him with no moustache, you think, oh, you, you sort of, as an England fan, you relax a bit. You think, yeah. oh, no moustache. probably going to be to the left and to the yes. right. Yeah, <laughs> You see yeah. the moustache, you think, oh, hellfire, what are we in for here? Well, maybe
0: <laughs> maybe the moustache is like kind of guiding him down the middle. Maybe it, maybe it did have an effect. Maybe he's in his peripheral vision he can get the sides of it and it prevents him from bowling too far to the left or to the right.
1: That's <laughs> a theory. A anyway. little sight. Yeah, could be. Shall we move on to a few un moments, which we usually sort of, uh, having our cake and eat it, just mention a few things that we didn't feel amid made the cut. Yeah,
0: the, the, there's the, 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 a starting uh, thing here of uh, Peter Siddle uh, and uh, Kevin Peterson, uh, the two Peters, as I like to call them, uh, have, having, <laughs> having having a bit of a confrontation here where somehow, uh, despite the fact that Peter Siddle appears no, uh, no in no way as threatening as uh, Mitchell Johnson or Ryan Harris, kept on getting uh, Kevin Peterson's wicket, so he got, he got him out here and he... Uh, and he will continue to get him out as the series goes on, and I, I, I think that I think that's the kind of thing that we'll will build as we go along. But I just wanted to flag
1: it up here. Yeah, I remember he, uh, he inside edged him onto his stumps at one yep. point, just deflated. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the the thing that I, I couldn't nominate it really, but uh, the think one thing that really struck me was uh, Monty Panasar's <laughs> yes. celebration after bowling Michael Clark Because I always thought, I, I mean, I will always think, even after saying what I'm about to say, I'll just instantly <laughs> expunge this from my memory. But uh, I always thought that Monty Panesar celebrated all of his wickets with the airborne high five because yep. you've seen so much. That he's out, he jumps in the air, high fives whoever's the designated high five recipient. <laughs> uh, but here he 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 bowls, uh he bowls Clark, and then he did this maneuver where he sort of slapped his head Slapped his own hip and did this open palm gunshot thing. It was it was weirdly cool and not at all on brand for Monty Panesar. <laughs> it was
0: fantastic. Although I I I do like the idea that you had to correct yourself to say that Monty was uh, slapping his own hip there. I like the idea that he might have slapped Clark's <laughs> hip. But I, I I'm all for Monty P- Panasar pretending to be the you know some kind of Western gunslinger. I I, I like you. You know, rumor has it you dismissed a man, Monty.
1: Well, when they did the um uh, the the documentary. About this series, well, the, the England team leading up to this series, the edge. Um, Monty Panessa does all of his uh, vox pop bits in this. Looks like not like a like a kind of saloon. Yes. <laughs> so maybe it, maybe it's just that it, that was something he was striving for. Just a sort of empty shot glasses around him. No one else in the place. All yeah. wood paneling around. The the other thing that I spotted at the time, and this again, I couldn't really nominate this, but after this match with England having lost the first two and can have been well I think everyone knew which way the wind was blowing by this point uh, That we, we started getting a lot of those what's wrong with the system articles about England you know where they, they dissect the professional game yep. in, in the country the team that's losing and conclude that absolutely everything is wrong uh, and these would have seemed a lot weightier if they weren't coming just a couple of months after the equivalent <laughs> pieces about Australia from the previous series Yeah,
0: yes, yeah, so we, we, we did mention last, uh, last uh, episode of, about the whole very strange uh back to back nature of this series and and how australia's gone from being the the terrible team to england being the terrible team and yes those those, those <laughs> articles always struck me as bizarre like even, even in the 1990s which was you know when england were yeah, you know, definitely very bad. Not not just bad now and good consistently three months ago. Yes, worse. consistently bad. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I remember that there would always be think pieces wherever about you know oh there's something about Australia's system. It's it's the Sheffield Shield. It's only got six teams. It you know makes makes them stronger. They all have to fight harder for their places. Not like this unwieldy county system. And I have zero doubt that if the situation was reversed and England were always thrashing Australia, the Australians would be writing oh we've only got six. Six, six first-class teams in Australia. When we're never going to get enough cricketers, so
1: players aren't getting opportunity. Young players just aren't getting opportunities. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yes. Oh, well. Yeah. There is a bit of that. I mean, it's yeah it's somewhere in between, probably, isn't it? But um, this this really sort of highlighted it with just a you know weeks between the series, really. <laughs> yes. The exact same people playing it, pretty much. Yeah. Different conditions. Yeah. It's kind of something to bear in mind whenever you're watching the next sort of. Uh, uh, route uh, on an away tour, whichever whichever team you support, that you know it can just be as simple as that.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: Anything else? Are we on to voting? Nah, no, let's vote. Let's oh. vote on this one. All right. What, what what are you pitching? I'm well. I'm pitching hardest. I'm pitching uh, Stuart Broad. Uh, oh, yeah. Just... I, I, I can't really the argue with Stuart thing.
0: Broad because it's one of my absolute favourite moments in, in, in all of my cricket watching. Stuart Broad's 10-minute uh, golden duck is, is just, you know, chef's
1: kiss. Brilliant. It's all in the preamble, isn't it? it <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, no, it's not all in the preamble. No, it's, it's not. But it, it's the a... preamble is magnificent and it wouldn't work without yeah. that climax. It's not just getting bold. It's getting bold <laughs> behind your legs and then making a big song and dance about it. Stuart Broad is having a magnificent series. I don't know... I feel like this this series and the previous one was a real sort of um, broad gaining a lot of ridiculous form, which is is carried throughout his career since then. I, th- I think before before these twin series, I, I I hadn't
0: really appreciated just how good Stuart Broad was at being ridiculous. Yeah,
1: he had his moments, but uh, yeah, you, we're really starting to uh, to see the power of the man. One of the all time greats.
0: Yes, <laughs> fantastic.
1: Yeah, I, I I can't give that. So
0: we'll give we'll give Broad the the three points for that that magnificent golden and duck. And you're,
1: you're accepting that that in isolation outranks Johnson's whole over because Johnson's contribution to that was largely to wait around, yes, <laughs> patiently. But, but Johnson did supply the punchline. I mean,
0: Broad Broad could have you know mucked about with the side screen and you know he, Broad did all the setup. He did all the hard work, and he reacted brilliantly after his bowled. Without the Johnson bowling, it would have just been you know we we see people wasting time all the time so it was a team effort but it was you know 80 broad it, it, it was it was you, you can't really attribute that kind of nonsense to anybody else no just, just in sheer, sheer time timing factors it's 95 percent broad 98 broad <laughs> probably <laughs> uh but yeah I, I i i do want to claim uh mitchell johnson's over as, as the second place because that really was a very silly over and uh
1: just 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 his you know He's uh, input into Broad. The the ball to um, Ben Stokes probably would even uh, yeah. qualify as second place on its own. Yeah. Uh, to be part of the, the same over as Broad and uh, <laughs> some shenanigans in between as well. A bit of um, Mitchell Johnson brutality in between. It's, yeah, uh, yeah I, 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 The only other thing I would think would uh, I would pitch would be uh, the the Ian Bell dismissal and it's largely because it's such a perfect Ian Bell thing just people <laughs> getting their hopes people having their hopes dashed in the most brutally effective manner i think uh, it was valuable.
0: Yeah it was very good I I, I I do quite quite like the the Ben Stokes no ball but as as we have mentioned that that's uh, you know in, you know with with the benefit of hindsight corner that hindsight that doesn't corner. feel quite as special as, as it did at the moment and uh No
1: i mean at, at the time it was because it was well at the time it was probably more special than if. If you're listening. You, you feel like I oh, it's just like an no overstep, no ball, no no wicket. That happens a lot. But th- this was when it started. That was a became a thing, wasn't it? So it's kind of a novelty anyway. And then for it also to be as
0: yeah, I'm not sure, I'm not sure they were always uh checking the the front foot quite as consistently before then. I, I feel like this might have been the start of the era, era where where whenever it was close, the umpires would say check the front foot before they wander off. Yeah. So I think so. You might have been one of the only people who could have been uh, lost. One of the first people who could have lost his wicket. Then. All right. Yeah. So what are we going to say? We're going to say broad three points. Johnson's over two points. You, 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 Ian Bell, one point or Ben Stokes? Well, I'll, I'll let you have the, it doesn't, as, as
1: uh, happened last <laughs>
0: test, it doesn't really matter whether it's Ian Bell or Ben Stokes, but just for the record, I'll, I'll, I'll let you you're make not, the
1: final decision. You're not pitching uh, uh, slog sweeping against that. You feel like, uh, 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 well, I think Ian Bell's the better of the two. Okay. Right. You're, you're happy with either of them, but I'd uh, be outranking you though. So uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll claim that. In case. Yeah. I, I think the
0: meta hat trick is, it amuses me, but I'm not sure it's actually ridiculous on its own. It's just uh, it's it's just kind of tickles my, my my brain a little bit.
1: I feel like most England fans would prefer the Ian Bell moment to the, uh, the Stokes moment. It was Bell was established. The the yeah. Bell character was well established by this point, whereas Ben Stokes was not. It's uh, far too much hindsight in the yes. Stokes one.
0: Fair enough. All right. So e- either way, uh, England uh, with the Broad and Bell moments uh, take this test four points to two, England which means strike back. If they do strike back. It's a one-all one in uh, two tests into the Ridiculous Ashes series, so we'll have to check out what happens in the in the third test, which I, I believe we, we have it at Perth, where all kinds of ridiculous things have happened over the years, so I'm looking forward to whatever ridiculous thing happens next time. In the meantime, thank you for listening. You can uh, check out Alex's website, that's uh, kingcricket.co.uk uh, You can check out mine, uh, that's Leebcricket.com. or you can follow us on Twitter, uh, at Ridiculous Ashes, at The King's Tweets, or at Leave Cricket, and we will be back in a week with our coverage of the third test of the 2013-14 Ridiculous Ashes. Uh, You can subscribe to the podcast to get that episode, and as you subscribe, uh, feel free to give your Honest 5-star ratings on wherever it is you're subscribing. Thanks again for listening.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.